Hope all the front people brought your earplugs. No. Um, just some uh, quick things we want to update you on, and that's um, Pastor Doug today is at, uh, at Life. Um, now, we've decided to go forward with our relationship with them, and we will be officially launching Harvest West in January of 2019. With a campus that is out in Stratford University, right there on Broad Street, uh, Harvest West will be a place, I believe, that you'll receive the same flow, stream, and everything that's coming from here. We will continue our teacher's rotation over there, and, uh, and the Lord is uh, raising up some serious people, and uh, I'm hoping and praying God will raise up a pastor in here. And we could anoint and plant in some of these places that we're planting. Amen? Some of you are like, uh-uh, I ain't clapping for that one. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, let's get into the Word. Let's just dive into the Word this morning. I, I want to uh, make some statements and basically uh, just speak for the house. Um, I believe that uh, God has really placed on my spirit the vision of this house and everything that uh, this, who this house is, uh, spend, spend a lot of time with our senior pastor, Pastor Doug. We, uh, we've spent a lot of time in prayer together, a lot of time moving together and doing things. And, and we're, we're seeing a movement of God happening, I believe, that is pushing us beyond our very limits now what do i mean by our limits it's when we try to do things you see i believe and this is just my belief system and i believe that this the belief system of this house that anything done in our works is taking glory from god let me explain myself and i'll explain myself more in the message that anything you try to do out of your own power is actually telling God that his power is non-existent. Does that make sense? Because then you're, you're, you're telling God, well, um, if it's really you going to do it, then you're telling God, step aside, let me take care of this. And God will step aside and let you mess up. He's that awesome, but he's also loving enough to pick you back up and go, okay, are you ready for me to take over? Right? That's the kind of God that we serve, I believe. So I, I believe that um, right now there's an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. There's another thing I believe. I do not, this church, we are not uh, once saved, always saved, grace covers you, you continue sinning type of church. I want to make that very clear. Okay, I believe that grace is an empowerment. I believe when Jesus looked at the woman who was about to get stoned to death, works, religiosity, the stoning was because of works, religiosity. Was she in sin? Yes. But then Jesus asked the question, he used it without sin, let him cast the first stone. Nobody could cast the first stone. Jesus looked at her and said, where are your accusers? 
And then Jesus says, I'm not your accuser either. In other words, the only accuser is Satan. He's the accuser of the brethren. So then Jesus picks her up, and I believe in the New King James, he says, go and sin no more. And the empowerment he gives her there is he says, go, you don't have to sin anymore. That sounds, that sounds a whole lot more. You don't have to sin anymore. In other words, you have the power now. You have the grace. You have forgiveness now. All you need to do is walk in it. And walking in it requires you. It's not about works. Once again, it's about total surrender. So the minute that you totally surrender to the belief system. See, I believe that all of this has to do with belief systems. Your belief system has to be connected to what Jesus did on the cross and who you are in him and who he is in you. Once that belief system is set up, then you're not striving to try to figure out if God, if you're going to do things or mess up things and, and do whatever. Now, that's walking in the flesh. But if you walk after the spirit, like the Bible says, then all things in the spirit are connected to you and you'll be able to walk in total victory. How many believe that? So now that I laid down that foundation, we can get into the word. Judges chapter 7, verse 1 through 7. And I'm reading from the American Standard Version. If we have that, if not, it's just the ASB. It doesn't matter. There you go. And so then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and encamped. Beside the spring of Herod and the camp of Midian was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah, or Moray, in the valley. And Jehovah said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand, lest Israel vaunt or put themselves against me, saying, With my own hand have I saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and trembling, let him return, depart from Mount Gilead. And there returned of them, those people, 20 and 2,000, 22,000, and there remained only 10,000. And Jehovah said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Come on, man. I mean, you tell me to start an army. You tell me to take on a huge army. And then now you're dwindling my army? Well, yeah, this is like the weirdest thing. But once again, God does not want the glory to go to man. He wants him to be glorified. So he says, uh, bring them down into the water, and I will try them there for thee. And you shall, you shall be that of whom I say unto thee, or it shall be whom I say unto thee. This shall go with you. The same shall go with you, and of whomsoever I say unto you, this shall not go with you. And the same shall not go. So he brought down the people into the water. And Jehovah said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And Jehovah said unto Gideon, By the 300 men that lapped will I save you. And deliver the Midianites into your hand, and let all the people go every man unto his place. Okay, 
Now, um, you know, my wife brought up some things. She's a Bible scholar in her own right. She said, you know, the guys who, who, who went down, actually, they're, they're not dogs, so they had to use their hands. So they actually put the water in their hands, but they were lapping it as a dog. So they were licking it as a dog, right? Um, and the other thing is, I read in about three or four versions, sorry, three or four versions, um, people do believe that they actually... These guys who actually drank the water, drank the water, lapping it as a dog, and they did not have any shame. Say with me, no shame. Uh, Read about six different versions and went into different commentaries. And the whole scripture there was that God was looking for people that just were thirsty. Period, the end. Uh, not to say that the guys who bent their knees were probably not qualified or didn't have uh, God with them or didn't know God. It's not saying that. God just wanted to choose a certain amount to take on this mandate that he had. Amen? You see, uh, sometimes we think that God is choosing people who have uh, sort of, I would say this, and I remember a message that my friend Ryan Bastris brought here, and he, you know, he, he says undignified, you know. It's crazy because uh, in our church, we, we are not dignified at all. I don't think so. We can probably, probably get a couple of people that are dignified. And the rest just get drunk and, you know, people are thirsty, right? Amen? I mean, we've had some, some people even leave the church because they say we're too crazy, you know? Say, I don't know about that, you know? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. If you, if you want to bend your knee while you're drinking, there's nothing wrong. We accept them all. Amen? There's nothing wrong with you uh, in, in, in your, your worship mode. Now, what I'm saying here is that God chooses to use the most thirsty, crazy, radical, undignified people to take out the enemy. Now, it doesn't mean that the ones that bent their knee won't see the victory with them because they were part of Israel too. So Israel's going to be delivered and they're still going to taste the victory. They're just not going to lay their heads down to do it. <laughs> they're not the ones who are going to sacrifice themselves to do it. And I'll tell you in a little while why. Number one, say with me, the calling. I want to talk about a little bit about, uh, uh, Pastor talked about last week, about Gideon, uh, he was not basically qualified to be who God called him to be, but in God's eyes, he was already qualified. Does that make sense? So you might think that you're not qualified to do something, but your identity doesn't lie in your past and what you've done. It lies in who God is and what Christ has done. 
So there's a prophetic word that comes to him. The first prophetic word is a declaration that comes to him also. And it says, oh, mighty man of valor, you mighty warrior. Now, mind you, I read through the text. This man is a cook. He's sieving wheat inside of a wine press. By the way, if you read any of the history books, you don't sieve wheat inside of a wine press. He was hiding from the Midianites because they were robbing people. And so he went down into the wine press, started sieving the wheat, and he's hiding so he can get his, his, his wheat. And then this angel comes to him and calls him a mighty man. And a mighty man of valor must have startled him. So in his mind, of course, he says, I'm not qualified. I'm the least of my brothers. My family doesn't even have the family name. I don't know what you're talking about. Right? But one thing that he does do, there's an engagement that happens. So there's a calling. There's a prophetic word. There's a declaration. And then there's engagement. What does he tell him? He says, wait here. I'm going to go cook for you. So he's going to go use his gift, the only thing he knows how to do, to engage with what he just received. Listen to this. He did not tell the angel, okay, get out of here. You crazy. I have nothing to do with this. No, the angel of the Lord, he tells him, he says, wait here. I'll be right back. Let me go get you something to eat. And the Bible says that he departed. And um, he went to go get some unleavened cakes and some, and he made a, a, a goat and he put it all in a basket and then he put broth in a pot and he brought it unto him under the oak and the angel of God said unto him, take the flesh and the unleavened bread and lay it upon the rock. Oh, I got undone when I heard this. Got undone when I heard this. Do you, do you hear what he just said? He said, take the flesh that you have in your basket. Take the bread, the unleavened bread. Unleavened bread, if you ever read the scriptures and anyone reads the scriptures, it, it, it is a sign of like, it's a sign of sin. Flesh. Flesh is a sign of the, 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 the things that we desire in our flesh, the lust and, and the things. The lust of the flesh is in Galatians 5. And also, the fruit of the spirit is in there too. But what does he say to put it? On the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. Come on now. He doesn't say, hey, put it, put, put it in your hand, put it on the floor. No, he says, put it on the rock because this is where it's going to get good. You see, it's not about works. It's about putting it on the rock putting it on the one who did the works for us, who did and paid the price, putting it on there. Guess what happens? As soon as he put it on there, the Bible says that the, the angel of the Lord put his staff within his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened bread and their fire rose up and consumed it and consumed everything that was there. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. You see, when you put it upon Christ, the rock, the consuming fire of Holy Spirit will take over. Amen? 
There's no reason for you to be trying to do things out of your own flesh, out of your own power. Take what you have, put it on the rock, let the consuming fire take over from there. Mm. I thought that was good. I don't know how many thought that was good. But you see, as soon as Gideon saw that it was the angel of the Lord, he said, Lord, and he feared and he laid on the ground. He said, Lord, I think I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And the Lord said unto him in verse 23 of chapter six, he said, peace be unto you. Fear not, for you shall not die. Why? Because you laid it on the rock. Why? Because you, you gave total surrender. You see, grace is not about you just coming into God and saying, I'm saved, I'm saved, and walk around uh, like you're unsaved. Grace is about coming in, total surrender, on the rock. I'm saved through you. Everything through you is in me. You work through me, and I will be in you all the time. And that will Bring the fruit. You see, when you talk about a lot of people come to me and they say, well, what about the Bible says in James, uh, works without faith is, or faith without works is dead, right? And then Paul says, he says that you need to have faith first because that's the faith. That, see, see, James was not contradicting Paul. What he was saying was that if you have faith in what you believe, the works or the fruit of that faith should be manifested with what you do. So if you have faith that you're a child of God, you're a son of God, you're not fearful. You're not throwing yourself down going, oh, my Lord, oh, I, I think I'm about to die. No, you're, you're walking boldly before the throne of grace, not judgment, throne of grace, walking boldly, and you're putting everything upon the rock. And you're letting Holy Spirit consume everything else. Consume my thought process, consume everything about me, anything. Of course, the flesh will, will try to come and the mind, will, and emotions that needs to be uh, submitted to God. And we'll learn that at Katie Souza, the soulish realm, it still needs to be programmed. And what you do, you just keep laying it on the rock. It's not about you doing anything. It's about you just totally surrendering, saying it's all you. You take over. It's all, it's all Christ now. It's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So it's, it's all you now. If you struggled with addiction, I believe that addiction is a distortion of worship. Okay? You've chose to allow something small enough and physical enough to come into your life to take over what is God's place, which is the place of worship. And you've allowed that place of worship to be distorted and you're worshiping that thing. So in other words, it becomes idolatry. Now, in order for you to do anything and to overcome addiction, and I can speak for myself because I've overcame addiction. And when you overcome addiction, what you do is you don't do it by your own works. You just lay it on the rock. Just say, hey, look, listen, man, I'm weak in this area, but where I'm weak, you're strong. And you just lay, lay right there. You say, here it is. Boom. Addiction. Bam. Work through me. Somebody says, is it that easy? Yes, because your belief system needs to change. 
All you need to do is believe what Jesus did on the cross. Once the minute that you believe that Jesus did on the cross, and this is my evangelistic part of the message, so please listen. All you need to do is believe what Jesus did on the cross. He paid once and for all. He said, it is finished. Está terminado. That's what he said in Spanish. I believe when we get to heaven, we're all going to speak Spanish. Just saying. Rosetta Stone will meet you at the front gate. Ha. Ah. Let's talk about the chosen 300 a little bit here. Okay. So, he had about 20,000, right? Uh, 22,000. That, that's a good number. Logically, if anyone's been in the military, I guess some military people here, logically, you've been in the military, more numbers you have, the better it is. Especially if the enemy has about 100,000. 22,000, hey, we can build some strategy. We could take them out, right? So logically, in the human logic, it is better to have more. But see, God is not working through human logic. Sometimes we try to logically explain the scriptures and logically explain how do we get to Christ and logically explain. And that's not going to work. God chooses the foolishness of this world. Okay. To confound the wise. Why does he do that? Because he wants to get the glory. He likes to be glorified. So if they do 22,000 and they win, they go, man, we're strong, man. We got this. And everybody gets puffed up and they all say, man, we're, we're a powerful church because we have 22,000. And God is moving on our behalf. But God does not share his glory with no one. So God tells him and said, that's too much, too many. Now, all, all you need to do is make an announcement. How many of you are scared? He raised their hand. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. Man, he cut the, the he cut it in half. Listen to this. Gideon does not question God. At the beginning, he did. He threw, he said, Oh, uh, I'm gonna put a coin under this fleece, and if it's if it's wet on top or wet in the bottom, then then it's gonna be all right. I know it's God speaking to me because he still had some things he was dealing with. He couldn't believe God for what God said. He needed to put it on the rock. But when he breaks down that idol in his father's house and he tears down the things that are stopping him, there's no stipulations anymore. God tells him, cut half of the army. He cuts it. God tells him, okay, now (laughs) I want you to do something even crazier. Get everyone to the river. And the ones that look too dignified, get rid of them. You know the ones, right? Those that brought the little cup with them. Like... <laughs> brought their little thermos, you know. <laughs> I 
ever seen a dog lap water when he's thirsty? I mean, there's water going everywhere. There was a thirst in these 300 men that didn't care what anybody was saying, doing, or looking at. They just decided to throw themselves in the water. Even if they put their hands in front of them, they still were licking up that water like they don't care. The other ones were like, They probably thought, they probably thought, they probably were good soldiers. Because good soldiers would be like, okay, I'm going to drink this, but I'm going to be looking around, make sure the enemy is not going to sneak up on us, all this stuff. You know, they were probably good soldiers. They probably had a lot of things going on in their mind. But the ones who didn't care, who were like, if the enemy attacks me, at least I got my last drink. Strength and numbers are not battle winners, but believers with radical faith who use illogical and irrational obedience are battle winners. When God subtracts, it means battle. Mm. When God subtracts, it means battle. Let me explain that a little bit. Jesus had thousands following him. And when he was about to go to the battle of the cross, he preached his flesh and blood message. They disappeared and dwindled. Then when they took him and arrested him, everybody else disappeared and dwindled. When there's subtraction, there's battle about to happen. At the cross, the Bible says he was victorious over every principality, and he overcame them all, which means that after that he went to hell, and he took over, got the keys of hell and death, told the Satan, your vacancy has just been here, took the rest that was in Abraham's bosom, went back up to heaven, and said, you know what, I got this. Went back down, came down, and spread the message. Guess what? He won the victory for us. The battle was won, and then came multiplication. Multiplication happens after the battle is won. Why? Because they see the victorious. And they want to go towards the victorious. How many want to follow a victorious people? Come on now. You know, I, I, I used to have so many different theologies about Jesus, you know? They say, oh yeah, we're, we're a spiritual hospital. No, we're not. We're a spiritual battleground, and eventually you will get hurt, and we just take you right to the battleground hospital, get you all patched up, and back out to battle again. What happens is, is that you're not defeated in battle. You're constantly victorious in battle. If you get wounded in battle, one of your armor pieces was not on. I, I'll close the book and we'll go home. <laughs> Done. Ephesians 6. 
gave us the battle and armor pieces. And all of them are strategic pieces to face the enemy, not to run from him. The only way an arrow can get you in your back is if you're running. Instead of for facing the enemy head on. If you face the enemy head on, you're guaranteed victory. Why? Because he already is victorious. And everything is beneath his feet. So you're standing on that victory. You're putting it on the rock. And you're standing on that victory. And therefore the enemy knows you're standing on that victory. Therefore the darts and anything he throws at you cannot come against you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Got a little excited there. The thirsty. Say with me, thirsty. The radical. Say with me, radical. Radical. Why should I be thirsty and radical? There's a lot of people who come to church. This is not the church. We are the church. So let's get that really straight right now. When we're all together as the body of Christ, we become unified body of Christ. So guess what happens? Christ is here right now. He's manifested through us as the body. Amen? Amen. So the church is not this building, okay? So let me rephrase that. You come to this building on a Sunday morning and punch in your good deed card. Got it. Right? It's all good. Unless during the week you're running from the battle, and you're not standing on the victory that God has already given you. And if you're not standing on the victory that God has already given you, then you're definitely not doing what God told you to do. And all he asked you to do was to believe. He never asked you to do anything. He just said, if you believe, if you believe. See, the biggest problem that Jesus had when he was training the disciples had nothing to do with their craziness. They were all crazy. Read the four Gospels again. They all had some issues. Every single one of them. It was not that. He had more issue with their belief system. Your faith. Do you believe I'm the son of God? Yes. Then grab onto this, man. You got this. Get it. And you say, you know when they got it? When he died and resurrected. Then when he was ascended, they really got it. Because Holy Spirit came down like, woof, and they were like, oh, oh, revelation just like, woof, whoa, okay. That's what he was saying. Oh, my God. Right? When you get the revelation of who you are and whose you are and who is in you and what you're supposed to be doing here on earth, everything else is just woof. Just comes in play. Like everything, you just start letting go of things just naturally. You just start walking naturally. You're just like, oh, it's natural to be supernatural. Like, hey, I just want to talk about this Jesus in me, and I want to be who this Jesus is, not was, who he is. Because he is the one who was, who is, and is to come. So I want to live like that. The thirsty. Let's talk about the thirsty. These men were very thirsty. John chapter 4, 
verse 7 to 15, there was a woman. She was thirsty. But her thirst was, she was doing a lot of work. Now, listen to me. These people, okay, the Samaritans, all right, they were religious. They did go to the synagogue. They had a belief system. Matter of fact, the Jewish people had contradicted them because the Jewish people believed that Abraham was the father of all. But the Samaritans had another belief system that Jacob was the father of all. So some believe, some scholars believe that the very, listen to this, that the very uh, well that Jesus meets this woman is the well where Jacob met his wife. I'll get into that in a little while. Why am I saying this? It's because Jesus is sitting by the well. This woman is a Samaritan, religious by nature, but fleshly. Why do I say fleshly? Because when Jesus starts talking to her, listen to this, Jesus says to her, give me to drink. In other words, take what you're grabbing out of the well and give me some to drink. In verse 8, the Bible says that his disciples went to McDonald's. That's the Manuel Standard Version. They went to the city to buy meat. Now the lady was taken aback because Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. So she was like, how is it that a Jew, this is religiosity. This is also, like I said, division wears many masks, whether it's in politics, whether it's in, in religi- religious systems, whether it's whatever, division will wear mask and cover itself. So she asks him, because now she's taken aback and says, how could a Jew would never touch anything a Samaritan's touching? So th- this is strange. I need to know more about this guy. How is it that he's interested in me? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans, she said. Verse 10, and Jesus answered and said it to her, if you knew the gift of God, stop. If you knew the gift of God, if you knew Holy Spirit, if you knew me, and who is it that saith to you, in other words, if you knew me, give me the drink, you would ask of him that he would be given you living water. And the woman saith unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. The well is too deep. Now she's thinking from a logical standpoint. She went into the whole thinking logical. Then she went to verse 12. Now she got, now she got religious. See, religious, religious spirits are not spiritual. They're spiritual in the context that they don't come from the spirit of God, but they are not spiritual in the context of Holy Spirit and the word of God. What I'm saying is here, she goes, are you greater than our father Jacob? Which gave us this well to drink thereof himself and his children and his cattle. And then Jesus says something to her and said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water I shall give them shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Verse 15. I love it. This is where her belief system changes. She said, sir. Give me this water. 
That's all she needed to say. Her transformation did not come with her going, oh, let me get you a cup of water here. Let me do this. Let me run over here. Let me do this. No, 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 no. Do you know who this woman was? She was a woman who had sexual issues. I'm going to say that real low. Why? Because Jesus said, call your husband. She said, I have no husband. He said, oh, I like this lady. She's telling the truth without telling the truth. She's saying, I have no husband. And then Jesus, Jesus said, oh, yeah, that's right. You have no husband. But the five guys that you do have are not your husband. Then she really gets wild. She goes, hoo, hoo, I'm going to drink this water now. Why? Because she's radically transformed by a prophetic word. And you see, Jesus is telling her right now, you drink this water, you won't thirst again, and you don't need to live that lifestyle anymore. The minute that you touch this, she's radically transformed. She leaves. She drops everything that she has. She goes and becomes the biggest evangelist in Samaria. Why? Because she had a belief system of who he was. What did she announce in Samaria? She said, come meet the man that we are waiting for. This is him. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the living one. Come on now. I'm preaching better than you're clapping. Are you thirsty? Then if you're thirsty enough, be radically transformed. If you're radically transformed, there's nothing that will stop you. Your past is left at the well. Let the children's ministry know that we're going to go about 10 minutes after and tell them Holy Spirit will guide them. (laughs) Are you thirsty enough to be radically transformed? That's the question. Because if you drink of this well, you won't need to thirst anymore. What was her thirst? And when I I wrote this thing, it was like somebody said, well, too thirsty in the urban dictionary means that you are lusting after girls. I said, well, I'm taking it back from the devil. (laughs) Too thirsty for me means that I thirst after God. I am seeking after him as a deer panted by the water. Nothing belongs to the devil. He's bankrupt and lost his home a long time ago. People who lap like dogs get breakthrough. You want a breakthrough? I better be careful what I say. These are prophetic people. Real prophetic people be up here. (laughs) Right? (laughs) What am I saying here? Mark chapter 7, verse 25 to 30. Listen to this. But straightway, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, having heard of Jesus, came and fell down at his feet. Now, I believe Jesus is testing the woman's faith. I don't believe that he 
wants to hurt anyone's feelings in this very, very moment in chapter. Although he does, he does go for the lowest thing that he could to say to this woman. Because now the woman was a Greek. She was a Seraphonician. And Jesus was called to the children of Israel first. That was his calling. And she besought him that he would cast forth the demon out of her daughter. And he said unto her, let the children first be filled. In other words, let the people of Israel first be filled. And it is not, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. He just called her a dog. In other words, it is not good for me to take deliverance of the people and give it to you. I like verse 28. She answered and said unto him, yay, yeah. <laughs> Even the dogs <laughs> under the table of the master, they eat the children's crumbs. So let the crumbs just fall. I'll sit here and wait for them. I'll wait as long as it takes. Call me a dog. I'm getting ready. My deliverance is coming because I am hungry and thirsty enough to see my breakthrough. Call me undignified. Verse 29, this is what Jesus said. He said, for this saying, for what you just said, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. Guess what he just said? It is finished. Why? Because you were undignified enough to see the battle won. Mm, there are some people who just skate by and wait for Christ to do everything and they just go. But there are some people who just go, you know what? <laughs> this is not about works. This is just about me being thirsty enough. I already know this finished, but I'm just happy enough to be in his presence. I already know it's done, but I'm going to get crazy enough in the house of God. I already know it's finished, but I'm coming to church anyway. And ready. I don't care what anybody says about it. I know it's done, but I'm here to get something in it. You want to be involved? Then come on. Join me in this craziness. <laughs> know what he said? Because of your faith declaration. Because of what you're willing to believe. She's healed. While Jesus had to go to everybody else and cast out the, the demons, this lady who wasn't even a part of the Israeli tribes came and said, I'm a dog. I'm lap this water up. I'll sit here until the crumbs fall. I'm right here. <laughs> yeah. And I won't leave until everything is done. And Jesus said, this woman is too thirsty to be dignified. She's too, she doesn't care what anybody says. She doesn't care what's going on around her. She just knows that there is Christ in front of her. And she knows that he has the breakthrough. 
The chosen 12 were a few thirsty, undignified followers. Are you radical enough to believe who God says we are? And are you radical enough to just put everything on the rock and let it be consumed by Holy Spirit? You know, Christ never requires us to do anything, but there is something that we must do. Give it all. We have people who don't, they say, well, um, I love uh, David, he shared this with me. Some people who don't believe in tithing. So, well, I'm not going to give 10%, you know. Well, then do like the church did. Give it all. (laughs) Bring your deed, bring your car, and lay it right here at the feet of the apostles. I'll take it. And give it to those who are in need. But if you're not willing to do that, then just do the 10%. It'll work. Amen? It works. Because in the, in the New Testament, they gave 100%. And the Bible says they had no need of anything. I used to go to a church like that. Anybody who came gave 100%. And football players in there, everything. Just life disappeared. They just laid it down. That was their belief system. But what God is requiring from us is just for us to just believe Just surrender it all. Surrender your logical thought process and let him change you dramatically. Lay down all of your, your things that you had to fill up your own water. To try to fulfill your own thirst. Right? Lay down your Sprite. Obey your thirst. Lay it down. There always just was a few that are willing to sacrifice, that are thirsty and radical enough to pioneer and pave a way to see multiplication. We are not going to see multiplication in this body, local house, Harvest Renewal Church, until there are some radical few that are willing to put everything on the line to see God move on our behalf. Has God done it? Yes. All he requires is our faith. All he requires is for us to go, ah, there's the water. And I'm going to close with this. Now listen to this. Prophetic dreams. She was just talking about it. Andrea, bless you. But this is cool because the prophetic dream is given to an enemy. And the prophetic dream In uh, chapter 7 of Judges, verse 13 through 15, I'm not going to read it all, but it just says that he had a dream that there was a cake of bread or barley bread that rolled and tumbled over the whole Midianite camp and broke everything down. And then the guy who was with him interpreted it and said, that's that's Gideon and his army. Why? Because Gideon was a baker. You see, when he laid it on the rock, his bread didn't become himself. It didn't become himself. It became God's bread rolling. The bread. <laughs> just, just the bread just overflowing the enemy's camp. It's no longer Midian now. 
And Midian, I mean Gideon. Gideon now, Gideon now is seeing the Midianites fearful of the bread falling in. Who's the bread? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So when Gideon hears this, Gideon's like, yeah, we're going to win. I want some excited people like that. When they hear, they hear a word, they're just like, yeah, that's what I'm yeah. Get like that, right? Watching the football games, you ever seen those people, they paint themselves? Don't do that. Don't come. Paint. Victory is ours on your bare chest and come. That's a little bit too undignified. (laughs) Amen. Listen to this. The division of the 300. He tells him, he says, this is the funny thing. He says, I'm going to do something illogical. God says, you know what? Take pictures, light a lamp inside of it, cover it, and take shofars in the other hand. Rosh Hashanah is tomorrow. That is the new year. We're gonna, I, I, I believe that God is shifting. The whole body of Christ is tonight, actually. The whole body of Christ is shifting. Why? He says, take these 300 and split them into three parts. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm. And see, only crazy, undignified, illogical, radical faith believers would be able to walk into an enemy's camp with no swords. With nothing on but their, their robes. And listen, even, listen, if you, if you, if you know all of the uh, Navy SEALs and all that, I love watching that stuff. My wife doesn't like that. Uh, she says it's too violent and all this stuff. Navy SEALs, all that stuff. But you know what? Uh, we watch those kind of things, men, because war is embedded in us. So, you know, even the Navy SEALs, they sneak up, right? There's like six or 12 of them. They'll sneak up on the enemy. They'll take out the enemy one by one, Right. You would think that these, these little numbers would do the same thing. No, they're about to announce that they're there to the enemy. Because God tells them, it says, blow the trumpet. And when I tell you, break the pictures so the light can be lit up and everybody will see where you are. You see, it's not about running from the enemy. It's not about getting politically correct. It's not about going and telling everybody, oh, oh, you know, you know, yeah, accept this. No, it's about announcing who Christ is, being bold enough to say, I am a Christian. I break this picture and I turn on my light. It will not be hidden. Stand to your feet. Breaking the picture is breaking everything that can stop you from people seeing your light. Pride. Different things that stop. You could say, you know what? Christ paid the price for that. I'm breaking the picture because it is finished. Jesus said, you cannot put a candle under the bed. You have to light the candle and let it be set upon a hill. Let people see the candle lit. See, the enemy will not run because you're hidden. The enemy runs because you announce, I will not be hidden anymore. 
You blow the trumpet, the shofar, which means a ruha comes out of your mouth, a praise, an announcement to the enemy. I'm here, and here's the light of the Holy Spirit in me. What you going to do? And the Bible says when they did that, they blew the shofars. And then, and then Gideon said, scream out and said, for the Lord and for Gideon. Now Gideon accepts his identity as a warrior. He says, it is a done deal. 300 wild, crazy, undignified people will see the glory of God. Guess what happened? The Midianites were destroyed, and they didn't even lift a finger. All they did was obey. And of course, the principalities had to be taken out, so Gideon took care of that. But there are some things that we have to, as a house, as a people, be willing to just let go. Right? Let it go. Amen. I came, I came, I came to lay it on the rock and just let it go. Has nothing, has nothing to do with me, has everything to do with who I am in him and everything that he has done for me and who he is in me. I'm just gonna let it go. You see, if Gideon would have stopped and said, I don't want to believe this, I don't want to believe that I'm a mighty man of God, and would have never brought that gift. To the angel of the Lord, he would have never seen the victory that he saw. But because he was willing to engage in that word and say, I'm willing to go in there like this. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not saying that you just you just come and you go, eh, yeah, God, you know, everything's okay. Yeah, there, there's some requirements. You do have to believe. That's the first requirement. Said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's, there, 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 there is another requirement when you come into Christ and, and salvation. And if you're doing it, even, even if you're coming to Christ, do it. He says, if you confess with your mouth, God loves when we confess with our mouth victory. That Jesus is Lord. What are you saying to the enemy? You're saying, Jesus is Lord. I have total victory. He has total victory. Therefore, I have total victory. So God doesn't only require you to believe. He also requires you to confess. Everyone who ever saw victory when Jesus walked this earth was because they confessed something. Are you willing to just, just, just cry it out and say, the, the, the victory is won. This is for Jesus. And for me being a son and a daughter of God, I know I have victory. Amen. I don't know what you're going to face this week. I know I've faced some things, and we all face some things. And sometimes we decide to take the defeat, and then we confess defeat, and then we live in defeat. But today, if you're going to live in victory, we're going to do it together. Wrong day not to bring you so far. It's in your car. Go get it. Yeah, I think we're going to have a fire tunnel today. And we are going to have prophetic teams. Don't get me wrong. There's going to be some prophetic teams here. Right? So I need some of the leaders, prayer team. 
All right, let me explain the fire tunnel. For all those dignified, we need to understand what a fire tunnel is. It's just, it's just a group of people that stand in a line. A prophetic. We're going to stand like this, face to face. And you're going to walk through that line. And as you walk through that line, I want, you know what I want? The prophetic team probably on how we're going to do this, how we're going to walk. Get them through the middle. Okay. So if the prophetic team can meet the people at the end of the line, and whoever wants a prophetic word, the team will be up here. Okay. Exactly. You can just prophesy while they go by. That's great. <laughs> That's called shotgun prophecy. 